right club. Be the right club today. Yeah. I mean, that's better than most. How about him? That is better than most. Better than most. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to the No Laying Up Podcast. Solly here. Today's episode is a little something different, something we've kind of wanted to do for a while, and that is put a spotlight on the Evan Scholars Foundation. Our first guest is actually John Kaskowski, who is the president of the Western Golf Association. He talks a little bit about the Western Golf Association's relationship with the Evan Scholars, the history behind it. They've been sending, uh, the foundation's been sending caddies to college since 1930. The numbers are growing every single year, and there's just so many incredible stories that come out of this organization on this foundation. And uh, BMW, of course, a partner of ours, is a big supporter of the Evan Scholars, and the Western Golf Association does run the BMW Championship that is happening this week at Olympia Fields. And uh, yeah, we just wanted to get more information about this foundation out there. And uh, the three guests we have, like I mentioned, John Kaskowski is the first one. Second one is George Solich. Uh, if you recognize the name Solich, he is the founder of the Solich uh, Caddy and Leadership Academy, the organization that our event last year, we had an event at Common Ground uh, where that organization does exist. Our event was to raise funds for that foundation or that academy, which again is training caddies to become caddies at bigger clubs and it's it's totally free and he gives you all the details as to how that works and then our last guest is oscar garcia who is uh, an evan scholar himself a current evan scholar and uh the, the profile of, of these all these stories is just incredible and george has had such a successful career in life thanks to the evan scholars and he's very eager to give back to it and then to talk to somebody like Oscar, who uh, is is currently an Evan Scholar, and you can see the impact that golf and caddying has had on his life, um, and it's it just got me all pumped up, so I'm happy to share it with you guys. Callaway was a big part of last year's uh, No Laying Up event, the Summit, which again supported the Solich Caddy and Leadership Academy. In addition to supporting numerous youth-oriented uh, golf programs around the country, Callaway is a proud supporter of Birdies for the Brave. If you're not familiar with that, it was founded in 2004 by Phil and Amy Mickelson in collaboration uh, with Glenn Cohen with the purpose of providing direct services for military members, veterans, and their families ranging from financial aid and rehabilitation programs to housing, counseling, education, scholarships, and uh, and career development. So if you go to CallawayGolf.com slash custom, scroll to see a set of custom wedges being blind auctioned to raise funds for Birdies for the Brave. Callaway's got a monthly program that rotates support to various charitable organizations. And if you scroll through the gallery on the page, you'll see the uh, the past wedges and causes and whatnot. So check out the wedges supporting Birdies for the Brave at CallawayGolf.com slash customs. Um, and yeah, for anyone that, you know, for parents that are listening to this episode, if you've got a, uh, you know, a young kid or a teenager that is looking for some kind of career to get into or some kind of summer job or anything like that, listen to this episode and one, let me know what you think of it. And two, consider sending it uh, your child's way. If they uh, are looking for ways to, to pay for college, if they have financial need, this program is a great way to get some very, very valuable experience. And uh, who knows, you could end up with a college scholarship and uh, go on to have a very successful career. So if you have any questions about the about the foundation or anything, please reach out to me, solly at nolangup.com. Without any further delay, here's our first guest, John Kaskowski. So John, can we start with maybe a bit of a history lesson on the Western Golf Association, starting with the name and why that may be confusing for some people? I may or may not be included in that group, um, but uh, what is the Western Golf Association and uh, how you came to be involved with it? Sure. Yeah, it is, um, that's an interesting question because it is confusing in some regards. So the Western Golf Association was started 
1899. And so if you go way back in, in the history books, you know, the United States Golf Association was started in 1895, so a few years earlier. And, and there was a group of, of people based in Chicago that um, thought really that maybe the rules of golf and, and golf administration was a little bit too East Coast centric. So they decided, decided to start their own organization, which was called the Western Golf Association, which was a group of founding clubs based mainly in the Midwest. But the reason why it was called the Western Golf Association is you think of the Times 1899, you know, basically the train from uh, the East Coast stopped in Chicago, more or less. And so that was the West. And so the Western Golf Association was formed in 1899. And we ran our first two tournaments, the, the Western Open and the Western Amateur uh, in 1899. And, um, and it's been very successful ever since. And this is what has eventually become the BMW Championship, if I understand that right. Correct. Yeah, we um, when we entered into our agreement with BMW, and I think that goes back to um, 2007 was the first year, and it's been an incredible partnership with BMW. Part of it was that the name of the tournament changed. It was always title sponsor's name, Western Open, whether it was Motorola or Advil. And, and ultimately, we made the decision in conjunction with BMW to call it the BMW Championship. So... The history of the tournament remains the same. The name's different. And, of course, the format's a little different as well. Well, what is, uh, you know, in the course of this episode, you know, we're talking to some Evan scholars as well. But I, I, I want to kind of get your background as to what what caused you or how you got involved in the Western Golf Association and what your path to the WGA was. You know, it's funny. I'm a perfect example of stay in touch with people and ultimately try to be in the right place at the right time. So. I grew up in uh, suburban Milwaukee and, and grew up playing public golf. So quite honestly, I had no idea what a, a caddy was or what caddy programs were. It just wasn't in my universe back then. And I went to school at the University of Wisconsin and actually lived across the street from the Evans Scholars house at the University of Wisconsin. So got to know a couple of the Evans Scholars and, and put it in the back of my mind. I'm like, hmm, that's interesting, a, a scholarship program for caddies. And, and quite frankly, maybe th- – you know, kind of forgot about it. As I went into my early career, I worked for Coopers and Libran as a consultant. Um, Coopers and Libran was part of the big eight, I guess, at the time and uh, moved to Chicago and, and shortly realized that wearing a tie every day, riding the train to work every day probably wasn't going to be it for me. And um, I ended up going to school to get a master's in, in sports administration from from a school called St. Thomas University. And this was in the about 1990. So sports administration wasn't really even a degree back then. It, you know, it was a few universities around the country offered it. And, you know, now schools like Northwestern offer it. So uh, maybe I was before my time, but um, I always had in the back of my mind, I thought, boy, it would be cool to get in the golf business. Um, I like playing golf. I knew a couple people that were involved in tournament golf and, and specifically the LA Open. And so I went out to the LA Open as a, a fan, if you will. And I got to meet the tournament director, this guy named Greg McLaughlin, and um, got to know him. Greg and I became friends. He became a contact. And fast forward, um, I had a couple jobs in the golf industry. I worked for the American Junior Golf Association for five years. And Greg called me up. He was now then the tournament director of the Western Golf Association. Uh, He said, hey, we've got this job opening. Would you like to look at it? I thought it would be a great opportunity for me to, to move back to Chicago uh, if anything, I could move back to an. I lived in Atlanta at the time. If anything, I could move back to an area where they could pronounce my last name, 
correctly. You know, it's kind of tough in Atlanta to say Kazkowski. Greg said, would you like the job? Ultimately, I took it. Uh, Greg left two years later to run the Tiger Woods Foundation, and he subsequently now runs the First Tee National Organization. This is the part where I was right place, right time. I, I replaced Greg as the tournament director in the year 2000. Um, our CEO at the time was a guy named Don Johnson. He retired in, in 2010, and uh, they selected me to be his replacement. So it's been a great run. I've been with Western Golf for 22 years now, and it's been, it's been wonderful. So tie it, help me tie this into the Evans Scholars, right? I mean, the, the, to me, they're one and the same. The Western Golf Association has been linked to, you know, the Evans Scholars Foundation. I, I guess take me there for how long, and uh, what what is the actual link, and why are they so so closely tied? So the, the as we talked about, the Western Golf started in 1899. It was really Chicago based, and, and Chick Evans was a great amateur player, you know, at the in the early 1900s, and you know, the best, one of the best amateur players in the world. And, and Chick knew about caddying because Chick Evans caddied as a young man, went to Northwestern for a year and had to drop out of Northwestern uh, because quite frankly, he couldn't afford it. Ended up playing amateur golf and, you know, Chick won the 1916 U.S. Open and the U.S. Amateur in the same year. So um, first guy to do that. And, and instead of turning professional, um, in losing his amateur status, Chick did a series of instructional recordings, um, phonographic records, and he ultimately put that money he got for those recordings into a trust, and that was the basis of the Evans Scholars Foundation. He wanted to provide scholarships to caddies, so caddies would never, so they could afford college and and wouldn't have to drop out like Chick did. So, this was in 1916. Chick went to you know several organizations and asked them to run it this caddy scholarship program and finally 14 years short years later he convinced the powers to be at the western golf association to form the evan scholars foundation in 1930 so the two organizations have been tied at the hip since 1930 Um, we sent two evan scholars to school uh, in 1930 on a a full scholarship and and since then we've sent over you know 11,000 young men and women to school on a an evan scholarship well, I imagine that challenge has changed so greatly uh, throughout the years, and I know you've you know you've only been with the organization you've been with the organization a long time, but obviously doesn't date back as far as uh, the days when college tuition was not nearly what it is now. So, can you kind of give us an idea as to not only how many more people are being sent uh, to college on a yearly basis, but also how much bigger that challenge is and what that you know what that you know the I see the estimated value of an Evans scholarship is one hundred and twenty thousand dollars. I think it's important perspective when you tell us exactly how many people are currently uh, enrolled in college uh, through the Evans Scholars Program. Well, and, and you, yeah, that's exactly right. You know, the the two things that you know there there's few things that are certain in life these days, and it seems to be co- college tuition increasing is one of them. I'm old enough to remember that you know I could make enough money in the summer to pay for my college tuition. I think it was seven hundred dollars a semester. Um, and now, you know, the, the, the cost of college has increased exponentially, and it makes it even more difficult for families to afford, you know, a, a college education. And I don't think anyone would argue that, you know, especially for first-generation college students, you know, an education is so important, and it's a key to your success in life. And we feel strongly that, you know, the Evans Scholars Foundation, you know, provides those opportunities to deserving young men and women. And, and the scholarship is it's a full tuition and housing scholarship. So uh, whether you attend, um, you have to attend one of our 
partner universities. But what a relief that is if you can imagine you get into, let's say, the University of Michigan and or the University of Illinois, and you don't have to worry about how you're going to pay for it. All you have to worry about is getting that degree and doing well in school and then getting that first job and the rest, hopefully the rest of your life is set. And not only that, you have an entire network of, you know, other Evans scholars that have come before you and the ones that you are going to school with. You know, I went to Miami University um, and there's I, I see on this on this info sheet I've been provided here. It's one of the uh, it's got the, one of the highest number of current scholars. Um, and I do remember just kind of thinking about that, like, wow, what an awesome awesome program it is because I, I think back to like my fraternity days and the people I got to know through that and how I still have a lot of link uh, to the guys that I went to school with that I didn't know previously. And that's the same for everyone that comes into the Evan Scholars program. You have uh, all this link, a, a similar background and a, a whole network available to you of people you can uh, be in contact with once you do have that degree. Yeah, and that's kind of the secret sauce for us. And that there are a lot of scholars, there's a lot of great scholarship programs out there. You know, some involve caddies, but we think the true, you know, the, what really sets our program apart is the opportunity to live together, men and women, Evan scholars, living in the same house for four years. And not only do you as a freshman get some mentorship opportunities from your from upperclassmen, but ultimately you can, you can uh, build these relationships that last forever. I mean, I, one of my favorite stories is these two Evan scholars didn't really know each other at the University of Indiana. They both go their separate ways after college and, and are in, in totally different careers. And they somehow come together and say, you know what? I think we'd be good together in terms of a, being business partners. And they ended up working to get forming their own business and, and sold it years later. And both have been tremendously successful, but very generous back to the program as well. So it's um, it really is a lifelong program. And, and the relationships you, you make in, in the house whether it's Miami of Ohio or any one of our other schools, they last a lifetime. It seems to me that, you know, a lot of, even a lot of caddies uh, that are, you know, growing, people that have grown up as caddies are not maybe even fully aware. At least when they go to start out being a caddy, they're not doing it to necessarily become an Evans scholar. It becomes something you, maybe you hopefully you potentially learn about, but what is it, I guess, what does it take to be selected as an Evans scholar and kind of what is, how competitive is that environment getting? Sometimes people say the Evans Scholarship is one of the you know, great untold stories of, in golf, and which it probably is. It kind of drives me crazy because I wish I wish more people knew about it. It is a competitive scholarship program, no doubt. I mean, it is first and foremost, it's a scholarship program where you have to caddy. You have to be a, a regular and consistent caddy. And I would tell you that um, an average Evans Scholar recipient, so someone who's awarded the Evans Scholarships, caddied on average four years and 160 times. So that's a regular caddy. They're out there, you know, most days in the summer working, you know, to, to get a loop. And and then secondly, they have to be very strong academically. Um, they have to have, they have to excel in college prep courses and, and they have to be able to get into one of our partner universities, which are, uh, you know, pretty tough academic schools. And um, I would tell you that on average, you know, the, um, the scholars excel in academics. Um, they usually have something like a 3.8 GPA. Their ACT test is somewhere in the neighborhood of 27 to 28. So these are these are high achievers. And then you also have to have financial need. Everyone in, in some way, shape, or form has financial need, but college is super expensive, as we know, and families struggle every day to not only pay for college, but meet, meet the costs of, you know, living their lives. And 
um, there's a financial component to the Evans Scholarship that is is pretty is very important. And then finally, uh, you have to be involved in school, outside of school, you know, involved in um, character building activities, whether it's sports, whether it's volunteer work, um, those type of things. We feel kind of adds to the overall uh, application of Evans Scholarship. So, give an idea, we get a thousand we get about a thousand applications a year. We award roughly. Uh, 300 scholarships a year, maybe 285. So, yeah, that sounds like pretty good odds, right? That, you know, one third of the people that apply get the scholarship, but it's super competitive because we look at all those different things, caddy record versus academic record versus your financial need and, and, and your character. So we have seen applications actually increase year over year for the last 10 years. So that's uh, very encouraging that maybe the word is getting out. I fully admit to not being totally, you know, well versed in all of the financial aid options that are, you know, there for college. But I, this program seems so. Maybe it's just because I work in golf too, and I'm closely tied to it. But it seems so accessible. Like, like you said, a third of people applying for it—that's a lot of people getting through on scholarship. And it seems like this is such an incredible opportunity that, it, that as much as we can do to get the word out to people that, you know, if you're looking for financial aid to come, you know, for, uh, you know, an educational experience, this seems to be something that, you know, if you are willing to show up and work and work hard and do all the things that are required of you, you want not only get a great experience out of the caddy program, but uh, it can also have the, those resources are going to likely be available for you if you uh, achieve all these things. That's right. And, and, you know, I look at it and we look at it as an organization, we want to promote caddying first and foremost, right? We want to promote youth caddying and the great things that youth caddying can lead to. You know, not only um, does is it a good job, you know, caddies make good money. But if you think about if you're a 14, 15, 16, 17 year old kid caddying, what other summer job do you get to spend four hours with a doctor, a lawyer, you know, a business person in hearing about life? Right. It's an incredible opportunity as opposed to working at the ice cream shop or, you know, in the, at the park district. It's um, even if you don't get the Evans scholarship, caddying can be life changing. And, um, you know, our goal is to get more kids caddying and ultimately award more Evans scholarships. So we want to grow the program beyond the thousand forty five kids that are currently in school. What is the caddy environment like in this day and age? I mean, do you see clubs and and courses being more receptive towards having caddies? Are they having trouble getting enough caddies? I guess, what has the golf cart done to caddy programs across the country? And, and how do you just assess the overall uh, the, the environment around, uh, around caddying around the country as you see it? Yeah, I, I would say that, you know, caddying around the country has stabilized, right? Caddy programs have stabilized. I think, it, and it all depends where you go. I would tell you that you know, in the Chicagoland area, you know, caddy programs have never been stronger. I mean, more kids apply than they can actually take on as caddies. Um, I do see in, in maybe smaller cities, um, you know, in the Midwest and around the country that, you know, they don't, maybe their private club system isn't as robust as bigger cities like Chicago or the New York metropolitan area or some other areas around the country that, you know, they, some of the smaller caddy programs at local clubs might be decreasing or declining. Um, but having said that, I think there's been a little bit of a resurgence with, uh, quite frankly, you know, this, the, the, the kind of the pushback to more traditional golf architecture, the idea that walking's important to the game, everything that Mike Kaiser has embodies at places like Bandon Dunes or Sand Valley seems to be, in my mind, taken, um, it's got some traction around the country. And, 
And I point to, yeah, caddy programs are difficult to manage for sure because, you know, golf carts don't talk back to you and, and they're always on time. And But at the end of the day, there's not a better experience to play golf than if you have a, a young person caddying for you, in my mind. So I think, Chris, ultimately our applications are up year over year for the Evan Scholarship. So that tells me caddy programs that uh, have kids are, you know, they're stabilized for sure. Well, how can people, if they want to get involved in the program, uh, either, you know, on the on the donating side or on the caddy supporting side, what are ways that people can uh, can get involved with the Western Golf Association and the uh, Evan Scholars Foundation? I would say that first and foremost, if you ever have the opportunity, if you're a golfer and you ever have the opportunity to take a caddy, take a caddy. That's first and foremost. Right. And um our program doesn't exist without the idea of caddying. And um, if you don't, if you think you're a, you're at a club or a golf course that that has the potential to start a caddy program, we can help you do that. Um, we have a full-time staff. That's all they think about every day is how do we increase the number of youth caddy opportunities in this country? And it's funny, caddy programs are totally different than they were, you know, let's say even say 10, 15 years ago when, you know, you hear stories of, 50 kids showing up and maybe only 20 got out. And so the other 30 had to go home without caddying. Well, you know, technology, whether it's, you know, whether it's email, texting, app-based scheduling systems, it's made it easier for caddy programs to be managed. So um, we can help clubs, individuals, you know, start a caddy program. But um, certainly a couple other ways that, that people could help is identify a young person within their network that you think would qualify for the Evans scholarship on, on the idea that they have good grades, they have financial need and great character and, and then get them caddying. Try to help them find a golf course near them that has a caddy program. And our program literally is if, if we have, we have applicants from all over the country and Canada. Um, so you shouldn't be tied by geography in terms of getting someone started caddying and, and of course, we've got a like any charity, we have an incredible donor base that's been uh, generous to us with the idea that, you know, the money that you donate to the Evan Scholars Foundation goes to support young men and women in education. And that's really hard to argue that, you know, education isn't important for, for a young person, especially first generation college students. And we have over 30,000 families around the country that make an annual gift to the Evans Scholars Program. And with that, we, we use that money to, to provide more scholarship opportunities for more caddies. Well, we'll get you out of here uh, on this before we bring in our next guest. But uh, with all your experience with the Western Golf Association, what is your, do you have a go-to success story that you love to tell? The uh, One of the ones that maybe has inspired you the most of uh, maybe somebody that's come through the program or something you've seen. I would tell you that, you know, it's, it's stories like, and I'll, and I'll give you several quick ones, stories like a gentleman named Tom, Tom Falk who, who rose from the caddy yard to become the CEO of Kimberly Clark or Sam Allen who rose from the, the caddy yard to be the CEO of John Deere. But ultimately, one of my favorites is um, a woman named Mary Petrovich who was the first woman Evan Scholar ever at the University of Michigan. Her dad died when, when she was super young. I'll, I'll say she, that she was probably 10 or 12, but ultimately she helped raise her siblings, which was something like seven or eight siblings, while she's going through high school, while she's caddying, while she's helping her mom you know, kind of get through this. Um, the first time she, she didn't have to share a bed with a sibling was when she went to college at the Evan Scholar's house. So this is an incredible opportunity of somebody who, who used the, the scholarship to her advantage. She ended up working in the auto industry, 
went to Harvard Business School, sold a, a company she started, and then ultimately went into the private equity world. But Mary has been tremendously successful. And the cool thing about her, she's also a big golfer, loves the game, loves to take caddies, and has been tremendously generous back to the Evans Scholar. So it's a full cycle story in that she's received the scholarship, she gives back to the program, and then mentors students to uh, try to achieve like she did. So, but literally, there's like, I mean, it's amazing. There's everyone I meet, there's 11,000 of those stories. You know, it's hard to pick just one. Yeah. No, that's what I'm having a lot of fun doing this and, and chatting about it and bringing this to life because it's uh it really is it's inspiring stuff it really is and uh, I think it's it's so cool what you guys have dedicated so much time and effort to and how many how many lives have been changed because of it so thank you very much John for joining us uh, we're going to turn it over here to George here shortly uh, but uh, yeah thank you very much for your time and sharing some of your insight I loved it love being with you and thanks for having me on Before we bring in our next guest, we want to check in with our friends at Raycon. Now, listen, in this copy, they say that the everyday E25 earbuds are their best ones yet. It says with six hours of playtime, I I do not see that. I just flew back to, uh, to the West Coast and back without even like thinking about charging these things, and that was way over six hours of playtime. Listen, I'm not going to promise it. They're going to promise you six hours. I'm telling you right now, these are the best uh, wireless headphones that I've ever used. Seamless Bluetooth pairing. they got plenty of bass. A more compact design gives you a nice noise-isolating fit. They're comfortable. They're perfect for conference calls or binging podcasts. They're stylish and discreet. They don't have dangling wires or stems to distract you or distract anyone during video calls. And they start about half the price of other premium uh, wireless earbuds on the market. And they sound just as amazing as the other top audio brands you know. Now is the time to get the latest and greatest from Raycon. So get 15% off your order at buyraycon.com. That's R-A-Y-C-O-N.com slash no laying up. That's buyraycon.com slash no laying up for 15% off Raycon wireless earbuds. Our next guest, as we mentioned at the top, is a, uh, a graduate of the Evans Scholars program and someone that has gone on to be very successful and also give back a lot to the Evans Scholars and his own, uh, the Solich Caddy and Leadership Academy, which we talk about in this interview. That's George Solich. He sits on the board of directors at the Western Golf Association and the Evans Scholars Foundation. He also started the Colorado Golf Foundation and uh, is a true success story of the program. And we get into some of his background um, from you know a working class family that he got into caddying and got an Evans Scholarship and has been able to have a, a successful career. And uh, as you'll hear as well, turn that back uh, to giving back to the game and to the Evans Scholars and supporting a lot of other people in hopes that they can find the success that he's had. So without any further delay, here is George Solich. So I'd like to dive into your background if we can. I know we touched a bit in the intro of what you've done in recent years, but Evans Scholars had a big impact on you getting to where you are and in a position to give back. So can we just start right from the beginning? What is your, I guess, your caddy experience as a kid and how uh, how that helped shape things in your life? Yeah, uh, caddy and really brought me into golf. I started as a 12-year-old at the Broadmoor Golf Club. My older brother, Duffy, who was also an Evans Scholar, uh, dragged me to the caddy yard and thought it was a great job, and I'm not so, I wasn't so sure, but turns out he was right once. Anyway, we both uh, got to uh, see the uh, great game of golf play out and early in our in our lives and became caddies, and then we're fortunate enough to both get the Evans Scholarship at the University of Colorado, and and I've said it many times, it, it was a real fork in the road, and it really changed my life. So, been involved ever since, and 
and I'm a huge fan of what this program does, and and I'm a huge fan of caddying and and uh, creating caddy organizations and and uh, really boosting caddy organizations at clubs, and uh, it's just a it's it's a great way for young people to to learn um, you know real life relationships. You know, you you out there with golfers that you uh, you like and some that you don't and. There's days you do a good job. There's days you do a bad job. You get up early. You work hard. You, uh, you know, you uh, you do the things that are more real life in in this job, and it's just a it's just a great representation of the game of golf, too. Well, a two part question here for the next one is: what What was your relationship with the game of golf like before you started caddying? And second part is: Why is it a great job? I hear people say that a lot. I've personally never been a caddy. I did work at golf courses growing up uh, in the cart barn, uh, not at a place that was good enough to to have caddies. But I hear people say that for so many different reasons, and I think I understand. But in your in your mind, what what is it about caddying that uh, provides such great opportunities? Your first question was, where were you in the game of golf before you started caddying? And I was nowhere. I didn't even know anything about golf or very little. And it just gives you this incredibly great up-close-and-personal uh, view of, of the game of golf as a caddy, as a young kid. And and if you, you know, for me, I was, a, uh, I loved playing sports and mostly team sports, you know, football, basketball, baseball. So golf was, was you know, not in the crosshairs at all and yet uh caddying really uh you know just got the juices flowing about what a great game it is and what you know how how cool it would be to learn how to play golf so i think i picked up my first club you know uh about uh, 11 or 12 and and um you know never never put it down so i think number one caddying really is great introducing kids to the game. But number two, why is it such a great job? Well, you get you get to be outdoors all day, which is pretty phenomenal, particularly if you live in Colorado. You get to be with successful people and you know, you're you get to be out for 4 hours with uh, again, you know, you know, highly uh successful people in many respects. And it's interesting, as I said, some you like and some you don't. You know, some is so it's really real world. You have, and they have bad days on the golf course, and they have good days on the golf course, and you get to experience both of those. But I think, you know, when you come into a caddy job, you don't really know the game of golf if if you came in like I did, and you have to learn all that. So there's a lot of pressure. There's a lot of, you know, am I doing the right thing? Am I staying out of the way? Am I only talking when I need to be able to talk? And, but you know, so so great, great exercise, great, great introduction to the game of golf, great introduction to you know adult relationships and and interaction between between people, and it's for me, you know, I mowed lawns and I did dishes and I did all the other jobs you could do as a kid, but there's nothing that really compared if you love sports, if you love to be outside. If you really were looking for this uh, this opportunity to experience, uh, you know, work in, a, in an adult environment, you know, there was also good competition relative to to being a caddy. I know at the Broadmoor we um, we used to uh, rate caddies, and we had a couple hundred caddies back then. It was a, really a robust caddy program. But you'd rate the caddies one through fifty, and you'd wear a button. 
where you were in that caddy ranking. So there was competition, and you, you got ranked based upon you know your scores or your your ratings from your players that you played with. So it, it kind of was real world from that standpoint too. You know, the better you performed, the better you did, the more money you made. And you know, I think you. Maybe maybe it was a good early lesson in capitalism that I didn't really realize uh, at the time, but um, it's still it's stuck with me. And I think a lot of the lessons that I learned um, in the caddy yard and you know work ethic um, has really stuck with me, and it, it made an impact. Yeah, there's not a. I'm think trying to think of a, another job as a kid that you can have as a kid where you do get to spend four ish hours you know, almost interning uh, for the day or assisting, you know, someone that is very successful that likely has a lot of contacts that you don't do that mowing lawns. You don't have that kind of uh, hands-on experience with, uh, like you said, successful people. But for for what was your experience like, I guess, caddying as a kid, what, what specifically would you say that you learned on that job that uh, you probably couldn't have learned somewhere else? Well, I would say initially it was a confidence check, you know, could, could you do it? You know, is and, and it was intimidating. Some of these guys that you were catting for, you would hear their reputations, you know, and so you would go, oh, geez, am I up for that? You know, and and I think it, it was a confidence builder as you went. You know, I mean, you were crummy as a caddy when you first started. Let's face it. I mean, I, I can remember, you know, even, and even if you get trained, in which we do, you know, we really do great training today versus what we did, you know, back then. But I think as you learn the game and as you learn how to be a good caddy, your confidence builds, you start enjoying it, and you really it just, it, you know, it really gets fun. It, it really does. And I know, I know when I've been out as a golfer with a caddy, um, you know, with a young caddy, either at, you know, Cherry Hills or Castle Pines or Solich Caddy and Leadership Academy, any of those, when you're out with them and they're doing a really good job and you're, and you're having a conversation with them. You know, you're talking to these young kids, and they're talking to you, and you're asking them about life and 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 what their hopes and dreams are. You know, what their challenges are. I mean, you don't get that at any other job. So it's like a it's like the ultimate uh, mentorship program at an early age, and um, it's it's really fun for me as a golfer now to be able to have uh, caddies that. Um, that have that kind of fire and and interest and and that that confidence because um, it does you don't start out that way you know the the rookie caddies are timid and and maybe not so um, you know not so sure of themselves and and they're you know it, over time they just you can just see them blossom and develop and 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 that's what that's what the job does and that's what the game of golf does. And for perspective again on this, I, I come from a solid background. I didn't, I wouldn't say I needed anything as a kid. I had access to golf yet. You know, I also worked at a golf course. And so my perspective on it's a little bit, you know, I, I've, I feel like I've benefited so much from golf. And I, when I, when I talk about golf to non-golfers, 
I'm very enthusiastic about all the things that the sport can provide you. Yet at the same time, part of me wonders if that, you know, that group is that it's helping the most is just a bit closed off. And that's where something like Evan Scholars, the Solich Caddy and Leadership Academy and other uh, similar organizations get me so hyped that it is I feel like it is truly inviting people of all backgrounds to reap the rewards that come from the game of golf. So in, in your mind, kind of, you know, we talked a little bit about the caddying experience and whatnot, but you know, you've, you're so experienced in business and in golf. What is what is the game of golf capable of bringing to people, and why is it such a crucial sport for uh, you know that crucial sport for business and the success of so many people all around the world? Wow, that's an awesome question. You know, I, I mean, for me, as I chart back, you know, even to the caddy yard, golf has been in every fabric and every point in my life has had a, a major impact, whether it's, you know, business relationships or pure friendships, um, not to mention how I was fortunate enough to get to college. I mean, so it, it has really been, um, it, for me, it's affected every bit of my life. You know, I came from a, you know, a great family, but lower middle class, you know, college wasn't guaranteed. And being able to get a job to, that eventually led to a, a full ride scholarship was kind of a wow, you know. So the the connection to golf was so early, and and then it just kept blossoming. And for me, I've been able to accomplish you know major deals in business because of relationships in golf. And it's not just been once; it's been many times. And and I look at how. Um, I look at how people carry themselves in the game by and large. You know, it's a it's a game of honor. You know, it's a game of individual performance. You know, unlike team sports which I love and grew up with, but you know, there's golf has got is super challenging from a mental standpoint and a physical standpoint. But it's got this one on one, two on two, you know, four on four kind of interaction that is so powerful and that it really, I think it has tremendous, I think it has tremendous appeal for all, you know, walks of life. And, and uh, you know, when I was growing up as a kid in, in, in the caddy yard, there was a whole bunch of diversity. And I think there still is. And, and I think the opportunity for kids to get into to golf, whether it's through the caddy yard or somewhere else, it's just a great game, and it's a hard game. It's it's challenging as can be, but as I said, it's a game of honor. And you know, you you only do as well as you can do, and the work you put in, and and you know, the integrity of of keeping score and and being honest, and and uh, not not uh, uh, you know, no no cheating, and it's just a it's a phenomenal game. And and I think the appeal across the world is is uh you know pretty evident but um i don't know what i do without golf in my life frankly it's been that been that powerful yeah i'm right there with you i think uh golf and baseball especially growing up as kids taught me so much about handling adversity and basically just being tough like in life 
there's going to be a lot more no's than yeses in golf. There's a lot more things that go wrong than go right, especially as you're beginning out and, you know, trying to, trying to you know, get better and better and better. You're going to, I always say there's probably four out of five rounds. You walk off the golf course thinking you didn't get as much out of it as you possibly could. And right. I, it's hard to, it's hard to explain what kind of lesson that kind of teaches you the, about the rest of life. But this has obviously led for you, led to, you know, great, great success post-college and whatnot. But that, that isn't where things kind of stopped with you as far as your relationship, of course, with Evan Scholars and the uh, the other and the Solich Caddy and Leadership Academy. So, take us kind of through, you know, once you are you know achieving some successes in life, how how uh, you came back around to to being uh, on the on the other end of you know supporting the Evan Scholars and giving back and uh, kind of what that timeline looked like. Well, I think at an early age, you know, after college, as I went into the workforce, you know, I. I realized those connections with both the Evan Scholar family, the Western Golf Association, and golf in general, just kept flourishing. And I, you know, it felt uh, just like the right thing to do to be able to give back to the organization that gave me so much and and really, you know, set me on the path uh, that I was on. So um, I, you know, I think I joined the board of the Western Golf Association even back in my. Uh, back in my 30s, so I was young and interested and cared about the program, cared about it growing, um, and, and and cared about uh, you know caddy programs continuing to grow, and and that wasn't a given. There was a time in the 90s where caddy programs were were really kind of dying on the vine in many areas, and particularly in Colorado. So we really worked hard to to make sure that that clubs, whether they were private or public courses had the opportunity to have caddy programs. And I think as the Western Golf Association and Evan Scholars Foundation has evolved and gotten better and better, they, they realize that it's a, you know, the, the full conveyor belt here. Not only do you, do you have to raise money to provide scholarships and get good kids and, and put them in the right places to be successful in, in, in universities, but you also have to develop from the ground up these, these caddy programs that, um, are very synergistic with, you know, building the game of golf as well as building uh, young men and women who, who want to be caddies and want to be get the Evans Scholarship to uh, to have the places and opportunities to be able to do that. So the involvement I've had both with Western Golf and Evans Scholars Foundation as well as the Colorado Golf Association with the Solich Caddy and Leadership Academy have been very rewarding. I was fortunate enough to... Uh, be the chairman of the BMW Championship when we brought it here to Colorado at Cherry Hills. I was fortunate enough to do that. And it was really a it was really a wonderful part of uh, my golf experience because the 100% of the proceeds from the BMW Championship, the old Western Open, obviously go to the Evans Scholars Foundation. So it was really really a highlight uh, for me to be able to do that and and see uh, see the great things that uh, that tournament does, uh, not only for the scholarship, but just uh, how great it is to be a part of something that that neat on the golf scene. So that that was fun. And today, um, as I look you know, back on my career, we continue to work really hard to to make sure that, you know, kids are having the opportunity to, to be in caddy programs and, and the Solich Caddy and Leadership Academy at Common Ground and and now at uh, several other clubs are 
are achieving that here, and I know we're we're doing that all across the country in different in different ways. So it's pretty darn exciting. Yep. Well, that's exactly where I was wanted to go next, and uh, not to lead you directly into it, but the name of you know the Solich Caddy and Leadership Academy, I think, speaks to the goal of it, and that the goal isn't just to become. Uh, a great caddy. So, so what are the goals? Can you tell us about the organization? We had a chance to experience it uh, last year at our uh, event that we had out at Common Ground called the Summit, proceeds of which went directly to the Solich Caddy and Leadership Academy. And we had an absolute blast with our caddies. And uh, I, for- I, I should remember her name. I forget her name. But by the end of the round, she was like speaking our language, which is very weird. And that you know, like one of our guys, you know, when he really wants to pound an iron shot, he calls it the Nuki Boy. And by the end of the round, she was saying like, yeah, I think it's, I think it's the Nuki boy nine. And we were just, just so impressed with like the humor and the relationship that they had with uh, the players they were caddying for. But tell us about the Academy and what the goals are and some of the uh, success stories you've had over the last several years. You know, I can't believe we're in our eighth year, I think with the Solis Caddy and Leadership Academy. And I think the, you know, the original uh, thought I, I, I called Ed Mate, who's our executive director of the Colorado Golf Association. I read a, I think it was a Golf World um, cover that had a caddy camp, and it was the Nantucket Caddy Camp. I called Ed and I said, you know, I don't know if we need to do exactly like, if we need to do exactly this, but this is something that we ought to think about here. And you know, instead of building buildings for a golf house or you know spending all the money to do that, let's let's build the program. Let's make this. The place that we have a caddy program where kids from the inner city can come and and get you know get not only get a great job but you know have the opportunity to get a scholarship. So um, I think we're up to 19 or 20 Evan scholars uh, during that period that are graduates of the program. It's been fabulous. It's been great to see, and it's been um, it, you know we started from nothing, and you know we've been partnering with the Western Golf Association and Evan Scholars Foundation all along. You know, the the idea that you can create a a program like that at a at a public golf course was was really rewarding cuz you know what we do is we train them at, at common ground for 2 years and then we send them off to other clubs uh for the remaining 2 years and they get a great variety of of uh interaction with a lot of different people and uh, whether they go on to receive the Evans Scholarship or not, uh, I'm really quite confident that it was a very positive influence on these young people's lives. And, and uh, the leadership aspect is what we're really proud of. You know, they, they learn financial literacy while they're there, which if you look at a lot of the schools anymore, they don't even teach that. And they learned something that we were, we're really proud of called The Code of the West. And there was a book written called The Cowboy Code, um, that we've always admired, and and we actually asked the author if we could use the code of the West as the ten codes that um, that uh, we teach the kids. You know, live each day with courage, take pride in your work, always finish what you start, do what has to be done, be tough but be fair. Uh, when you make a promise, keep it. Ride for the brand, talk less, say more. Remember that some things aren't for sale and know where to draw the line. And then we ask the kids to to create the 11th code. Those codes are better than the first 10 every time. So it's it's a big part of of uh, of what we hope 
will stick with these kids, whether they, again, whether they get the Evans Scholarship or they don't. Um, it's an important piece of the work we do. So we're very proud of that. And that's not to say the benefit for the actual golfers, been, uh, you know, visiting Common Ground Golf Club. The caddy, to, to hire a caddy uh, uh, out there is, you're not hiring them. It's free, correct? It is. The way that we have structured the program, it's a grant. So we've endowed the grant. So we we, uh, we pay, well, you can think of it almost like a scholarship grant to to teach the kids how to caddy. And then for the golfer, um, the the base fee is is uh, is paid for through the grant, and all we would ask the golfer to do is is, is tip them. So the idea there was solely that we didn't want uh, to create a program that you know created an, you know an unnecessary burden of expense back on the golfer, but we wanted to create a program that the golfer had a little bit of skin in the game and we had skin in the game. And and that uh, you know it would flourish. The program would flourish because you know it didn't compete with golf carts. It was it was in addition to, and so it's really worked out well. And the the, the grant piece, um, the the kids have to fulfill a certain number of loops per year, and they have to fulfill uh, their leadership classes. So it's it's uh, it kind of all works hand in hand, and it. it, it it, uh, it it just hits the mark. As I understand it, there have been other kind of caddy programs around the country that have popped up using the the Solich Academy as as an example. Could I guess? Could you take us through some some of the where those might be and kind of uh, how those have flourished as well? Yeah, well, the most near, nearest one to uh, Common Ground is Meridian Golf Club. Uh, my good friend Paul Lobato is the head pro there. Started it there, and I think we have uh, twelve or fifteen kids there now. In the Western Slope in Colorado, in Grand Junction, we have we have a uh, satellite. We also have one in Northern Colorado in Greeley, and uh, it's gone. You know, we, we don't we don't really have a we don't care if it's called the Solage Academy Leadership Academy or whatever. We we want to be able to provide that blueprint to whoever wants to take it and run with it. And out in Wisconsin, uh, they've used our blueprint and and, and have it out there. John Ashworth out at Goat Hill in California, you know, we gave him the blueprint from the start and some funding, and he's he's been able to put together a uh, a program out there. He's got a boys and girls club facility really close to Goat Hill, so he's been able to to, to kind of draw on that. So, you know, it's not a one size fits all to every place in the country, but it's a good blueprint that you can tweak and take however you want to to really promote caddy programs. And again, I know Western Golf is taking this, you know, really seriously and have their own development of caddy programs uh, throughout the country. And I think that'll be something that we're going to be able to hopefully participate in and help them. We carry one flag here, and it's the game of golf, and it's the Evans Scholars Foundation and helping kids. And and that's uh, so whatever the name is, it really doesn't matter. Well, we'll get you out of here on this. As, as long as you've been a part of these programs, I've imagined you've you've come across some pretty cool stories from people that have found success. Maybe after you know graduating from Evan Scholars or things you've seen at the Solage uh, Caddy Leadership Academy. What's your What's your go to story? What's your go uh, the story that maybe you're most proud of of uh, of the effect you have your your help or the Evan Scholars or the Leadership Academy has had on a, a person's life? Maybe. Well, I guess I would say it would be. Uh 
you know, a, a six degrees of separation kind of story. When I was 14, we all used to sit in the caddy yard with our caddy bibs on and our, our buttons for our, you know, rank as a, as a caddy. And, uh, you know, I think it was 14 or 15, but I, I, Dallas Thomas, the, the, uh, caddy master came out of the Broadmoor Golf Club and grabbed four of us and brought us in the back and said, Hey, listen, today you guys got to be on your best. You're going to be caddying for, for some really important guys. I want you to just, you know, do a really good job and, you know, get out there and hustle and, you know, show us off well. And, and of course you're 14, you don't know, um, you're thinking, well, it's, it's a football player or a famous golfer or somebody that, you know, and it was four guys that of course none of us knew. The guys' names were, uh, Jack Vickers, Jimmy Vickers, Bobby Vickers, and, and, uh, one of their guests. And, uh, of course, Jack Vickers is, um, the founder and of, uh, Castle Pines Golf Club and, and a fabulous guy and fabulous in golf. And, and, uh, uh, I had no idea who he was and I got to caddy for Jack. And he was a wonderful gentleman and just, uh, really enjoyed the day. And, but, you know, I didn't know who he was and, and didn't from that, that day or that, that day after. But, uh, certainly later, um, I found out uh, Jack Vickers was the Jack Vickers who, uh, who founded Castle Pines and brought the PGA Tour to Castle Pines for 21 years at, from the International. Certainly, I got to know Jack as I became a member later of Castle Pines Golf Club, which was a great honor, uh, very humbled by that. And uh, now I serve as uh, chairman and president succeeding Jack at Castle Pines. So can you imagine... A 14-year-old kid meeting Jack Vickers as caddy on the golf course, and then uh, today, uh, 40, 45 years later, I'm serving as his successor at the club that he built. That's the kind of story that caddying and golf have all over the country, and it's uh, it's, a, it's just uh, I'm, I consider myself very fortunate, lucky to uh, have picked up that bag and been a caddy uh, back when I was 12 years old. Awesome. That's a fantastic story. George, thank you so much for your time um, and for helping shine some light on uh, all you've done with the Evans Scholars and how that's impacted you. And I know listeners will have enjoyed hearing your story. Great. Well, thanks for taking the time to to hear it. We'll we'll look forward to hearing it on on, uh, the podcast. Last up from our Evans Scholars guest uh, is Oscar Garcia. He is from Indian Hills Country Club in Kansas City. He's currently a senior at the University of Kansas and the chapter president co-chair of the Evans Scholars National Committee and one of the uh, top two current leaders of the Evans Scholars program. The Evans Scholars has allowed him to achieve the American dream. His great-grandparents are all immigrants from Mexico, and we get into whole, his whole story of how he'd never been on a golf course uh, before caddying and how the Evans Scholars has hopefully changed his life into the future and how he's developed a, a love of golf. So without any further delay, this is the last interview of this episode. This is Oscar Garcia. All right, Oscar, so tell me about what yeah, I guess how you got started in caddying. How did you uh, first heard about it, or you know, what was your relationship with the game of golf like before uh, before you started caddying as well? Honestly, I, I had not played golf. I'd never even been on a golf course prior to caddy training. So, to give you some some backstory, I was 13 years old um, in eighth grade, and I really wanted a pair of baseball cleats, uh, some nice new Nike baseball cleats. They're a little bit too expensive, so my mom suggested I get like a summer job or just find some means to, to pay for uh, these baseball cleats and wasn't really one to cut grass. Wasn't, you know, didn't want to just do chores and get my money that way. So I uh, kind of explored the option of, I got on my bike one day, 
um, and just kind of rode around my neighborhood to all the little local businesses and tried to ask if they would hire a 13 year old kid. And of course, nobody wanted to just <laughs> for legal reasons and, you know, all that good stuff. Um, so my mom had mentioned to me, you know, your uncle had caddied at the country club back in the seventies. And, you know, we don't know if she didn't know if uh, that club still had a caddy program or not. So I thought I'd reach out and I gave them a call um, and they had ceased, you know, doing their caddy program, but they recommended I call this other country club called Indian Hills. Um, so I gave Indian Hills country club a ring, which is in Kansas city where I'm from conveniently. They just happened to have caddy training four days from the time that I called them. So I went in pretty naive, uh, showed up to caddy training, you know, my white polo and my khaki shorts and had never been on a golf course. I'd never swung a golf club. Um, and, you know, within that week, I kind of just fell in love with the game. Um, I really just liked being out there. Made a lot of mistakes when I initially started out there. Just didn't have a lot of knowledge. But, you know, here we are eight, some years later. And, you know, golf's my favorite sport. And I credit everything I everything I have now to the game. So it's uh, it's definitely been just a great great story for me of just, you know, coming from not having any knowledge to, to where I'm at today. Well, there's a ton of uh, really good, positive and inspiring stuff we can draw from there, but uh, I'm immediately drawn to, I need to hear what some of your mistakes were that you made right off the bat. Oh yeah, caddy. for sure. For sure. So <laughs> my first loop, I'll never forget it. Uh, loop as in, you know, round or whatever, you know, that's his caddy speak for, for round. But my first loop was for a gentleman named Jim Lickie. Uh, he's an engineer there in Kansas city, super nice guy kind of a staple member um, at our country club and somebody who just treats guys really well is, is a really big supporter of the Evan Scholar program. But I'll never forget, I'm um, on the first tee and he gives me, you know, he hits driver off the first tee. I take his head cover, put it in my caddy bib. I have my towel, you know, got everything just squared away, trying to do as good of a job as possible. Uh, and I dropped his head cover. And it was, a, it was a nice leather one from another one of these, uh, one another club in Kansas. And we get to the hole three and he you know he asked me hey Oscar would you mind putting the cover on my uh you know my driver don't want it to get dinged up so I started shuffling around looking for it I knew instantly that I dropped it somewhere um so at one point I had to switch the bag over to him so I had to give him the bag and he started carrying his own bag and I had to sprint back to the first hole and finally I was able to find the head cover and and meet him up but uh embarrassed would be an understatement for that some other mistakes just like standing and like shadow lines I was not really aware of my shadow and I didn't really know that players didn't like, you know, a 14 year old boy's shadow and their putting line. So I had to get called out on that a few times, but those are just a few of the, a few of the stories from those first couple of weeks there. Well, when you look at it from an outside perspective, it is kind of like some of these things for golfers are silly. Like why, course, why, would, yep. why would you know that as a 14 year old exactly. that wasn't familiar with golf? But exactly. you know, I, I, for me personally, I think a lot of people listen to this podcast too. They grew up playing the game or maybe they may even be somewhat new to the game. But for you to come into the game through caddying, what what's something I guess that you um, learned about golf that you were surprised? Uh, I, I don't know if that's the right way to ask that, but kind of something you weren't expecting to get out of the caddy experience that you ended up getting? So I was a baseball player growing up, played basketball, baseball, football, you know, did all those things. Um, and golf is just such a different sport. Um, I think, you know, the main takeaway that I took from caddying and just from golf in general is how much of it can cross apply to just life in general, treating each other with respect and just the way you conduct yourself out there on the golf course sometimes um, just in a professional manner, you know, at least for me as a young teenage kid, being able to, to interact with some of these, you know, gentlemen who are, you know, really successful at what they do um, and getting to, you know, just talk to these guys for four or five hours out there on the round, I think did a lot of favors for me. 
just going forward into my college experience and the way that I conduct myself, you know, in crowds now, you know, if you meet a caddy, if you meet any Evans scholar, you'll instantly be able to tell that, you know, these kids have been, you know, talking to adults for a long time and really just know how to conduct themselves. So I think the biggest takeaway for me was just, you know, how much socially you can gain um, from the game of golf. And it's so different, you know, from basketball and baseball where, you know, you're out there on the field, with the team and, you know, everything's just kind of centered around the game. Whereas golf, there's so many different aspects that go into it and you can have conversations out there and you can, you know, I've had some great, made some really great relationships with a lot of the guys and, and women that I caddy for. So it's just one of those things that I wasn't expecting to take away from golf, but this really helped me here in my academic career and just um, life going forward. Well, how did you learn about the Evans Scholarship? Uh, I mean, when did you, I imagine when the, your first day of caddying, you know, losing head covers, you didn't know this existed. I guess, when did it become clear that this was going to be an option for you and, and, and kind of what, what, what does it take to, I guess, earn the scholarship? To go just on, on my story, the first week during that initial caddy training, they gave us some literature, just some pamphlets from the Western Golf Association regarding the Evans Scholarship. And, you know, at the time I, I was 13 again, and I really wasn't even thinking about college. I had just decided what uh, high school I was going to attend. So that was the last thing on my mind. But it definitely was something that, you know, I got introduced to early. And then going forward, um, I was able to make some really good connections with some of our uh, Evans Scholarship directors at my country club. Um, and from there, they kind of just walked me through, you know, the process of applying um, and, you know, getting the scholarship. But to go back to, to how the, the process starts, really, it's just catting for uh, more than two years is kind of the first criteria that you have to meet. So by the time I'd gotten to my senior year of high school that fall, I'd been catting. It, it would have been my fifth summer. Um, so catting for two years is the first parameter, um, you know, having an outstanding high school record um, academically and leadership wise is another thing that they really look for. Demonstrating some sort of financial need, you know, it doesn't have to be anything crazy, but just definitely ex showing some financial need and that the Evans scholarship could really, you know, help you and your family send you to college. Um, and just having that, you know, really good character, just being somebody you, who's respected at your club and stuff like that. So, you know, directors and members at our club were able to kind of distinguish who is going to be a good candidate and who may not. Um, and from there, they just kind of help you walk through the steps and um, get you applied and get, you know, letters of recommendation. It's a whole process. Um, takes a couple months. And then ultimately, by the spring of your senior year, you should find out if you're going to be an Evan Scar or not going forward. Well, when I was your age, I, I, my dad always told me, he always just said, like, yeah, that's a common phrase amongst the adults in the room, which is, uh, you know, it's not what you know, it's who you know. And I didn't really, I mean, I knew kind of what he was getting at there, but I didn't really fully understand it. Do you feel like this program has kind of maybe given you an inside track into understanding what all that means? It definitely does. You know, and just going back to some of the connections I've made from the people that have caddy for those, you know, a lot of these people have helped me write letters of recommendation and have, you know, referred me to the internship I had this last summer and, you know, stuff like that. So it, I would say, yeah, it really is about, about who, you know, and, uh, you know, making those connections, you know, a lot of it is also just selling yourself and just being able to go out there. And I went out every loop and just tried to make it as good as possible. Um, you know, trying to really connect with whoever I'm catting for, try to just make that experience for them, you know, as positive as possible and just making sure that, you know, I'm doing my part to, to, make the round go as smoothly as possible. But yeah, definitely, you know, the relationships that I've made with some of these people have just been fantastic from Western golf to being able to, to caddy in the pro-am of the BMW championship last year. I've just, golf has really provided me with a lot of, you know, interesting and fantastic relationships that I otherwise would not have had. 
what pro did you draw in the pro am last year? I had Charles Howe. Oh, um, how great so is he? All, yeah, he's the man. He uh, that was a great experience. So actually, funny story. We were on. You're familiar with Medina, I'm sure, but I'm trying to remember what the par three is on the back nine. But he actually had a hole in one um, while I was on his bag, and that was the first hole in one I'd ever been a part of. So that huh. was a. Uh, there's a video on Instagram somewhere, but he had a hole in one, so he gave me the ball for that. And uh, yeah, he's a great guy. Uh, it really was just a surreal experience being able to be out there on those grounds and and caddy for a real pro. So that was, that was a good time. What's your golf game like these days now? Golf game's rough. I got to play a decent amount. Uh, I interned for the American Junior Golf Association this summer, so I got to play a decent amount at all the courses that that we were able to go to. I actually played yesterday with a couple uh, Evan Scar buddies of mine um, in Kansas City. So game's not bad. Uh, won some money yesterday, so I stopped keeping strokes, but we, we had a little match play game going on, so not too bad. Could be better. Any other parting thoughts? Uh, you've shared some great insight as to what the Evan Scholars has meant to you, but uh, any anything we possibly would have missed along the way and uh, anything else you could say about the program? You know, nothing really. I just, you know, if any if anybody's listening who's under, you know, the age of 18, I would definitely, I always tell people working at a golf course is the greatest summer job that you can have, whether, you, you know, you're working in the bag room, working, you know, as a caddy, you know, working at the halfway house, doing whatever, just being out there and getting to interact with the game of golf. There's so many life lessons you can take away from the game and it's, it's done so much for me and you know if you happen to be at a club that supports evan scholars you know definitely make that a goal i always tell people even you know even if one isn't to receive the evan scholarship just caddying in general just teaches you so much about life and you can make some good money on the side so i definitely definitely recommend getting out there to your local course and, and getting a job there that's what i'm hoping comes to this i don't think we have a lot of 13 14 year old listeners to this show but i'm hoping this gets sent some uh to some of them and uh that may be uh, turned and inspired to, to get into the caddy life. So, sure. Oscar, thanks okay. so much for uh, sharing your insight, and I uh, hope we cross paths uh, in the near future. Of course, guys. Thanks for having me. Appreciate it. Cheers. Be the right club. Be the right club today. Yeah! I mean, that's better than most. How about him? That is better than most. Better than most! Expect anything different?